Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to It's Rainmaking Time. This is Kim Greenhouse. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Rich Bergstrom. He is the founder of an incredible company called CeramCore. We're going to be dealing with an aspect today of health and wellness that most people overlook. Well, you're going to want to pay very close attention today. CeramCore was created to provide ceramic cookware so that there are no chemicals leaching into your food. Rich Bergstrom represented Corning Glass Works, the finest ceramics company in the world, and the makers of Corning Ware Cookware, Pyrex Bakeware, and Corel Dinnerware. He's had a huge amount of experience in this industry and in the business. Let's find out about this healthy cookware, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, Rich Bergstrom, to It's Rainmaking Time. Good morning. Good morning, and it's uh, wonderful to be here. Well, the first thing I want to ask you is, what is it that we need to know about cookware that is eluding us? 99.9% of all the cookware being sold in the United States, if not the whole world, is made of metal. And that could be either aluminum, cast iron, and stainless steel. Very durable. All those metal cookware companies make a very uh, high-quality, durable product, and, and that basically is the sole function. And, and that metal cookware also does a great job of transferring heat, so you can caramelize onions and you can make eggs, and it's a very quick process. But metal cookware does not add any value to the cooking experience. It's not going to enhance the flavor of, of cooking. That's why in a lot of the cooking shows, they have these prominent chefs. Everybody's tuned into the chef, and they love the way they cook and their personality. But the cookware they're using, they're not really spending a lot of time talking about that unless they're selling it, obviously, to make a profit. But they talk about their recipes and who they are and where they went to school. But the cookware itself will not make the food taste better. The only cookware that will actually make the food taste better would be ceramic cookware. And the reason that would be is because when you cook with ceramics, there's no leaching of heavy metal. A lot of people, what they don't realize is that aluminum, cast iron, stainless steel can all leach heavy metals, especially if it's not a high-quality metal cookware. That can leach heavy metals into the food. It's not going to enhance the flavor of the food. Ceramic is the only material that will not leach heavy metal into the food, especially extremer, because we go through extensive testings to make sure that none of our cookware products leaches any heavy metal into the food. Now, can I just stop you for just a moment here about the leaching part? Right. When I hear that word, I usually think, well, if you scratch the pot or the pan, that's how it leaches. Can it leach without scratching it? Absolutely, and depending upon the quality of the cookware, and I'll talk about that a little bit, because there are different degrees. You can get cookware at any department store or mass merchant, meaning a Kmart or a Target, and it could be 9.99 aluminum cookware, very soft metal. It may not be high quality, and if you just cook eggs in that or if you cook an acid-based food like tomato sauce, that'll actually pull the metal into the food from the metal pan, so you're going to get this metallic taste. And a lot of people say, my doctor tells me, if I cook in cast iron, I'm going to get iron into my food. And that's the biggest misconception in cookware today. There's two types of iron. There's ferrous iron, and then there's ferric iron. The ferrous iron is the iron that you get from, you know, spinach and your, your vegetables and your fruits, foods that you cook. But the ferric iron 
is the iron that you get from cookware that is not bioavailable, meaning it just passes through your system and it could be very toxic. So you have any autoimmune problems, say you have Crohn's disease or you have Alzheimer's and you have toxicity buildup, when you cook in cast iron, you get a tremendous amount of iron in your food that is not bioavailable. It can be very toxic to you. So when a doctor says cooking cast iron, they do not know what they're talking about. There's no benefit from cooking in cast iron to get the proper iron uh, nutrients into your body when you cook with cast iron. And the same thing when you cook with stainless steel cookware that is not high quality, and there's a lot of high quality stainless steel cookware out there, but if it's not, then you have a tendency, you can get an overload of nickel and chromium which makes stainless steel so unique, but that can get leached into your food. And if you have an adversity to either nickel or chromium toxicity, then that would not be a good metal to have in your body as well. Because once again, any metal you get from cookware is not bioavailable, means it has no value to your body at the cellular level. And only nutrients that are bioavailable, that's what helps us grow and keeps our immune system. But if you bring in that overload of heavy metal, then you could have autoimmune problems, systemic problems that you know could affect your overall health. Talk a little bit about the ceramic. What is the material that you use? First of all, ceramic material, people have been cooking with ceramics going back five to 8,000 years. Even before the Iron Age metal was developed, they were cooking in ceramic clay pots. And obviously clay is from the Earth's crust, you know, the minerals. It's inorganic minerals that are from the, the first layer of the Earth's crust. And those inorganic materials are compiled and they're mixed with clay, they're mixed with kaolin, refractory clay, and various other inorganic minerals. And then you make this clay material, which is fired, uh, depending upon the temperature that you fire clay, can make the difference between something that would be considered pottery, which is fired at a lower temperature, or something that is made of earthenware, vibrant colors, may be fired at only 900 degrees Fahrenheit. And the different levels of the temperature that you fire the clay at gives it its strength properties. So you have pottery, you have earthenware, then you have which commonly known as stoneware. A lot of dinnerware that you see that people have in their homes is made of stoneware. has a lot of attractive colors. It's pretty thick. It's kind of chunky, heavy. You see that in a lot of restaurants. That's fired at about 1,100 degrees Fahrenheit, very hot. When you get into our product, which is Extrema, we fire that at 2,500 degrees Fahrenheit, which gives it its great thermal properties. And this is what's very interesting. I remember my days when I was with Corning, you can melt aluminum at about 1,500 to 1,900 degrees. You can melt stainless steel at about 22 to 2,400 degrees Fahrenheit. Our ceramic material can take temperatures between 2,500 and 2,700 degrees Fahrenheit. We could actually melt aluminum in stainless steel in our cookware and then pour it out, and it won't even stick to the surface of our cookware. It's the thermal properties of ceramic that makes it so unique and which makes the cooking experience so much more pleasurable because you're generating far infrared energy. And people say, well, what does that mean? It's a technical term. I was just going to ask you that, actually. Yeah, and it's very difficult to just say, here's the definition of far infrared energy, and people say, wow, I get it. I've talked with people who are in the industry, and they say that the best way to describe far infrared energy is to say when somebody goes outside and the sun is shining, that's far infrared energy. And you could feel that heat. You can't see it, but you can feel it. And actually goes right through your clothing. You know, let's say you're 
skiing somewhere out in Colorado, and it's 20 degrees outside, and you have a ski jacket on, you get up to the top of the trail, and you start skiing down, well, suddenly you start to perspire, well, that sun, because you're such a high altitude, uh, actually the heat penetrates your clothing, and you can feel that warmth right on the first layer, of, on the outer layer of your skin. Well, ceramic material generates that far infrared energy, but it properties, the ceramic properties of the cookware, so this energy is bouncing all throughout the cooking vessel, and it actually penetrates the food as it's cooking. So it helps seal in the nutrients. When you cook with metal, whether it's aluminum, cast iron, stainless steel, it's very similar like a barbecue grill. The surface that is closest to the flame, the burner, the heat, it burns the food from the outside in. When you put a steak on a cast iron skillet, the side that is down on the cooking surface is the side that gets charred or starts to cook. You have to keep turning that over to get the other side cooked. When you cook with ceramics, the heat penetrates the food, so it goes through the food and then it seals it in. So it actually enhances the flavor of the food. And and the best way, uh, you know, I could talk about that, but the testimonies and the people that we sell our cookware to, and they come back and they say, listen, you cook an egg in our, our extreme and then cook an egg in something else, metal. And then you tell me, or you look at the color, the clarity, and then you tell me what egg tastes better. And I said... The proof is in the pudding, is in the taste. There's a lot of cookware out there that will cook eggs faster, and the pan may be less expensive, but if you're looking at getting something that's going to make your food taste better and you're not a Bobby Play or a Rachel Ray, and you want the food to taste better without being a chef, then we recommend that you use ceramics because it just enhances the overall flavor of the food, whether you're making soups, your stews, pies, because you don't have to worry about any metal leaching into your food. I'd like to talk to you about the non-scratch pans versus... What are the names of the pans where you have like a non-scratch surface? The cookware out there today, all metal cookware can be scratched. I mean, it's absolutely... I don't know of any metal cookware uh, that can't be scratched. If you took some sort of sharp utensil uh, and, and you rub that on... And a lot of people, they, they don't do it on purpose, but, you know, they grab a, uh, something metal and they, they rub it on the bottom of their cookware. Well, when you do that, whether it's anodized aluminum or stainless or, or cast iron, and you scratch, you scratch that surface, and then what you're doing is you open up the pores of that metal, and that, that will just increase the amount of, amount of leaching. And, and when, I, when I talk about leaching, I don't want to say that metal cookware is, you know, is poisoning America, but because there are a lot of people who their autoimmune system is functioning, they don't have a problem with, heavy, with metal toxicity because the body is designed, you know, God designed that body so it leaches all the metal out of us and because uh, we do consume a lot of metal throughout the, uh, throughout the day. It's in the very air we breathe. A lot of people say, well, you know, there's lead in the air that we breathe and depending uh, where you live and, and uh, the auto emissions or near factories, there's air that we breathe and our body is designed to expel that toxicity. The problem is when there's somebody who has an autoimmune problem, they can't expel that toxicity, then you get a buildup, and that's where problems come in. But with metal cookware, if, you, if that's scratched, uh, that just increases the amount of leaching that could take place. The cooking surface on Extremer is 100% ceramic. So 
that that ceramic surface is much harder than steel. People can say, well, hold it now. You could take, I could take my aluminum pan, I could drop it on the floor, and, and it's not going to break. I said, I understand that. And ceramic does not have that property. But when it comes to hardness, if you take a sharp metal knife and you take it on an aluminum pan or stainless or cast iron, you can actually make a little, like, hairline gouge in, the, in that pan. You cannot do that with ours. If you took a, a, a knife and you tried to scrape that surface, what you would do is you see it, there'd be this, this metal mark, there'd be this gray metal mark on the cooking surface. And people would say, whoa, look at that, see? It just scratched the ceramic. And, and because we get calls on this all the time. And I remember in all my years with Corningware, that was the same, same issue. People would say, well, look at that, it's leaving this big metal mark. I said, no, no, it's not. What it's doing, it's taking the metal right off the knife. And now it's on top of the ceramic material. So if you were to take a, a, a cleaner, a little steel wool, that metal mark would come off. You're, that's because ceramic, the hardness, uh, the, the mold score on ceramic, the MOHN score on ceramic is almost to a 10, where depending upon the metal, it may be anywhere from a 6 to a 7 or an 8. So it's much softer material than ceramic. That's why we can say our product is 100% non-scratch. Now, what about non-stick? A lot of people really prefer pans that have a non-stick surface. I want to talk about that, and I want you to explain where you're at about it, what your company's policy is with this. Okay. Non, uh, there's, there's, a lo- there's a lot of misconception about non-stick, uh, and we've been, uh, we've been doing a lot of uh, research in that uh, because we actually do have a product that we, do, that we are testing and have uh, a non-stick coating. But, but non-stick... Per se, there's when people talk about a nonstick coatings, 99.9% of all the nonstick coatings that are, are on products today are made uh, have a, a thermoplastic coating. It's it's a plastic type material. Uh, it's called PTFE, and I don't uh, the acronym uh, escapes me right now. But it's 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 made by Dupont. It's made by Woodford. Every coating that you see in restaurant cookware. Uh, if, in, it's in the automobile industry, anything that has nonstick, it's it's a thermoplastic coating, and that coating is 100% safe, providing you do not heat that up to temperatures that exceed about 450 to 500 degrees Fahrenheit. When you do that, when you when you when if you're cooking an eggs and you leave the pan on and you walk away and you answer the phone and that pan continues to heat, what happens is that thermoplastic starts to break down, and it starts to emit fumes. Now, people say, well, how can that be? How can they put a thermoplastic and it emits that gas and those fumes that, can, that, that could be toxic? Well, there's very, very few reported cases of the toxicity from the thermoplastic. It was this gas, it was this chemical POFA, which was in the original Teflon. That would, that's the material that caused the problems, more of the problems, when it was heated to very high temperatures. Most of the cookware companies today have eliminated that POFA from their nonstick coating. And that, so to reassure people, the coatings in a lot of the nonstick cookware today are a lot safer than it was a year or so ago. What does that mean? Because a lot of times we as the consumers don't really get the inner details of what we need to know about this. Everything is safe relative to how you use that. 
obviously, you know, if you have uh, if you have a pair of ice skates in your hand and you put them on your feet, you skate. That's fine. But if you pick the blade up in your hand, you're going to cut yourself. That's not going to be safe. If you use the cookware, how they describe it's supposed to be used, you'll never have an issue. There won't be. There'll never. You'll never have a problem because it doesn't exceed the temperature that they're saying. When you run into a problem, even if you're using, and I'll give you this example, if you're using an olive oil or you're using uh, peanut oil, uh, canola oil, any type of cooking oil, and you exceed the temperature of five to 600 degrees, the gas that's emitted from that oil, that burning oil, or the smoke from the barbecue grill when you're doing that, you know, you're making your, your barbecue chicken, is more toxic than the gas that will be emitted from your nonstick coating. And people don't realize that. They, they, they make their chicken and their eggs and the kitchen's smoking up a storm, but that'll do more harm to your autoimmune system than the toxicity from a nonstick coating. Yet nobody talks about that because they think it's part of the cooking experience when you breathe in the smoke. But if you're really into healthy cooking, you really, I mean, when you barbecue your food and your char, you, you get that charcoal grid marks on there, that's no value to your autoimmune system. That, that's the worst thing you could do because you're burning the fat and you're causing toxicity when you burn your food. If, if you really wanted to avoid any toxicity, you would steam your food like they do in Asia. When, in China and Japan and Korea, they do a lot of steaming. They don't do a lot of frying because it doesn't add any value to the taste of the food. In this country, Kim, we want everything to be fast. So nonstick coating was developed not to make the food taste better. It was it's not so much for speed because when we were at Corning, we were actually we were we were testing nonstick coating. It had to do with cleanup. People in America did not want to spend any time cleaning up their skillet. That's why nonstick coatings became available. It had to do with the cleanup and not with the cooking experience. So in terms of the cleanup, let's talk about it. What is the cleanup like? Well, the cleanup is 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 as simple as could be. If you're if you're cooking, uh, for instance, we have a line. Uh, you know, our, our regular extreme of cookware has, does not have a nonstick coating. We have one item that we do have a nonstick coating that we've been testing, but our regular extreme of cookware, ninety five percent of our products do not have a nonstick coating, and and that will always be our philosophy because we believe in the integrity of of ceramics because it'll make. The food tastes better, and when you, even if you burned food on our cookware, if you left it on top of the stove or you left it in the oven way past the cooking time, all you would have to do is is put that in the sink with hot water, hot soapy water, and it comes right out. I mean, that's one of the benefits because you can't scratch our cookware, uh, and if you really burnt the food on there, it's just a matter of soaking it in hot water, and then it'll just come right out with the uh, with the dishcloth. Let's talk about the utensils that you use and your company uses and what your philosophy of the utensils mm-hmm. is. The utensils you, are a big deal. We uh, recommend either wood, uh, wood utensils or we recommend, uh, we, we recommend a nylon because obviously nylon uh, is very safe. Uh, it's FDA approved. We don't have to worry about any, uh, any leaching with nylon. And we have people who use metal, and uh, the only thing negative about metal is you're going to leave metal marks on the cookware, then you're going to have to clean that uh, with either you know a Brillo pad to get all the metal marks off. But we recommend the nylon and any type of bamboo product or any kind of wood product uh, because we just, we just think that's going to, it's not going to detract from the taste of the food when you use those, uh, those utensils. 
I want to know how you came to your experience with traditional cookware, corningware. How did you move from corningware to ceramcore? I want to know what the transition was in your mind, how it happened. Okay. Uh, 1978, started with corningware, uh, you know, at entry-level position, and I, uh, I worked my way, uh, I worked through the system, I became a, a, a sales representative and a, a sales manager. And uh, for those 23 years, I was in, uh, very much involved with sales. I did feel that, you know, God gave me a little gift for products and it would offer up various product ideas. And, and, uh, but most of my expertise was, uh, in sales, calling on people, um, like Target and Bed Bath and Beyond, all the department stores. And I, I worked in, started in Portland, Oregon, uh, worked in Salt Lake City, Utah, then, Work my way back east to the East Coast, and that's where I reside right now. But all during that time frame, I knew what the the features and benefits of Corningware was, and it was the Corningware, a phenomenal product, came from the space industry. Uh, it was designed for its durability, its cleanliness. But the one thing about Corningware that did not bode well for cooking on top of the stove, it's a glass ceramic, so it was designed for ease of cleanup and, a, and its attractiveness. But it was not a product that would work well on top of the stove. Food would would stick. It didn't have very good thermal properties. It was designed for this in the in the science industry to actually reflect heat. Uh, so it would the heat would not be absorbed by it. But you would have to leave it on the stove a long time. It would get hot spots. Very durable, but it would be very difficult to clean. Uh, and in the various product lines that we tried with Corning, we had Visions Cookware, uh, top of range cookware. You could see through it; it looked really cool, but the food just would not uh, would not cook very well. And so, eventually, back in night in the in the uh, around 2000 or so, they stopped making corningware. The corningware was sold to a company called World Kitchen, and they they had this great manufacturing facility in Martinsburg, West Virginia, a fabulous one of the finest manufacturing facilities in the United States. Well, the company decided to close that factory and have the product uh, made, well, they thought they were going to have it made in China, but they couldn't because it was a, they could not make that same material, pyroceram material in China. So they ended up making the product out of stoneware, lost all of the corningware properties. And when that happened, when that took place, I was, uh, I was with another company at that time, and I said, you know what? There's an opportunity for me if I can find a company that can make a material that will go on top of the stove and cook food like Corningware wanted to cook. And that was in 2004, and I had uh, another company that uh, I had a partner that we were having products, various different types of houseware product made in China for uh, various customers in the United States. And in 2004, I was introduced to a gentleman who had this new ceramic material, uh, and I was introduced to him, and then we worked together for about three years back and forth. I had to go back and forth to uh, China and vice versa, and it took about three to four years to develop that material to so it would meet the standards that we had in place here in the United States. And, and then uh, in 2007... 2008, we formed the Ceramcore company, uh, another new company, and that's when we, we launched our product, uh, started selling that product directly to the consumers online, and, and now i glad to say we're still in business, and our, our company is growing because of the, the there's a consumer out there that I think is just ready 
to uh, to appreciate the features and benefits of this ceramic material versus what metal cookware would do. So it's it's been a it's been a 23 year experience with with Corning, and then another uh, 10 years on my own uh, working with various other ceramic companies uh, in bringing various products from China. And uh, I was blessed to have this gentleman contact me and and built this business. Having had experience in the manufacturing challenges and bringing products to market for my company, I know for a fact you've been through a huge learning curve and series of challenges with having to figure out what is going to be the right ceramic material, all these aspects to making it work. But my question to you is the following. I know that your products are made in China, and I know that there are a lot of good products made in China and that there's also both in reality and perceptually, there's also problems with a lot of products that are made in China. In this particular case, I think it would be very helpful to the audience to know how you went about your due diligence to make sure that the ceramic material that is used there is what in fact you're saying it is. Tell us how you did it. Okay. Uh, that's an excellent, uh, group of questions. And, and, uh, this, this, when you, when you start a business of this kind, you, you, you have to, re, you know, my vision was to have a product that stands on its own. The company is, is not about me, uh, it, the company is about the product and, and the brand is extremist. So we wanted to make sure that we had a product that actually, uh, stands by itself and is not inherent on any public endorsements by anybody or any any chef because the brand is going to sustain itself a lot longer than I am. So when when we investigated uh, having this product made, the finest place in the world where ceramics are made, they, the longest history in the world uh, of ceramic manufacturing is in mainland China. It goes back five to 8,000 years because people will say, well, you know, why do you have a product made in China and not in the United States? The ceramic history in the United States only goes back about 150 years. Uh, and the largest uh, ceramic companies were, were making dinnerware and they were making glassware in the late 1800s, 1900s. Most of those companies don't, uh, don't exist any longer. And their ceramic background, if you take Corning, if, if Corning was not the manufacturer of ceramics in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, really the, the, the ceramic history of this country would be really diminished. So when it came time to make this, this particular product, we said, you know what, this has to be made in China because, first of all, that's where they make the finest ceramics. They're able to get the, the best materials uh, come from China, and they're able to source those from other parts of Asia, and they've been doing it for years. I mean, for us to try to do that very same thing in the United States, it would probably take me another 10 years to get up the labor pool, to get up the finances, the factory, and then the cookware would be so exorbitantly expensive, it would be prohibitive. We could not, we wouldn't be able to sell that in the United States. So the manufacturing process dictated where this would have to be made, and the artisans, the people that are capable of making our cookware, because it takes 22 days from, from the, the day that the clay uh, and the materials formed and made into a casting or pressing mold, it takes 22 days from the day that item is put into a mold to the day that it's packed. And that's what makes our product so unique. So each piece uh, is, you could almost say, is is handmade all 22 days worth. And we just 
we just could not uh, do that in the United States and guarantee the quality that we could uh, in China. And, and when I started this business, I said, listen, we are going to develop this company, and we're going to develop this brand, and we really want to relate directly with the consumer because it's the consumer that is going to determine whether this product is going to be viable or not. And we didn't want uh, the retailer to dictate where the product would be placed or how it would be placed or what the price would be. We wanted the consumer to be able to communicate with us face-to-face, either by email or through telephone, uh, to tell us exactly what they think of our product. And I think that's been the, the, the biggest uh, reason for our success is the communication that we have directly with the consumer. And we really got pretty bold as far as information. I think if you went on our website and you see the amount of transparency that we have, information about who we are, you know, what we believe in, what we, what we think our values are, as, and what we think that relates to as far as the values of the earth and keeping you know, green and clean and giving back and making a difference, and then the amount of testing that we do with our product. And we're not perfect. You know, we do make mistakes, but if we make a mistake, we will let the consumer know, and then we'll fix that. Uh, and we're always sort of evolving. We want this product to continually get better and better. And uh, I think the biggest thing we've done is, is be much more transparent, and we believe in the integrity of ceramic material and this whole thing about non, about toxicity and and being green and being healthy for the environment, I think, like you said, 20 years ago, this this material, people wouldn't really understand it. But I think as the economy has become a global world economy, we relate, we, we understand what what the United States is in relationship to China, what it is in to Europe. And, and just like the financial market is very global uh, and interwoven, I think, that's how we want our, you know, we want our business uh, to be the same way. And this whole thing with green and the environment, it's all interwoven. So if there's a volcano in Iceland or in Japan or it's, uh, something tragic, it, it affects all of us where 20 years ago that would not be the case. How do you maintain a quality control from here with your Taiwan partners that the ceramic material, that there's no shortcuts going on? Do you have a process or a protocol Yes. What? Yeah, we have uh, just uh, just like in any any manufacturing facility, whether it's in the United States or Europe, in China, it, the standards are put in place by uh, the the company who's having the product made. So, if if there were, uh, and I and I don't want to bring this up about the toy business, but a lot of the issues with some of the toys that were being made in China, they were making toys to the specifications that the United States designers and companies we're having made. So even though the the product, everybody blamed the Chinese manufacturing, the shortcuts were made here in the United States. They wanted to take quality out of the price. So to do that, you take, you know, you use uh, inferior materials, but they don't make that decision by themselves. That is passed along from upper management somewhere. They make those decisions to to cut costs. We don't do that. Our material is very expensive. Uh, our process is very labor-intensive. Uh, we have a system set up to measure the material that we use so we know that every piece of Extrema is going to be made according to our specification. We have uh, our people in the factory. We go through uh, four or five different levels of inspecting uh, when that product is made and if there's any air bubbles or impurities 
that is pulled off the line, and uh, if it can't be fixed, then we start over. I mean, that's one of the benefits of, of making our products uh, out of our clay material very early in the production process. Uh, you can pull that product, and you don't have to continue with the other 15 or 16 days. So it, it is... Uh, it is a standard that we set that we adhere to over there uh, and with our people to make sure that when that product is packaged, it meets our specifications. And, and then even before our product is, is, uh, is packed, we have it tested. We, people say, well, why do you test your product in China as opposed to testing it in the United States? Because if we wait and test our product for lead and cadmium and, and all the heavy metals, if we wait until it gets to the United States, we've already we've spent all that time, energy, and effort to make a manufacture a product to ship it all the way to the United States. So we test that product for lead and cadmium under California Prop 65 uh, and FDA uh, lead and cadmium because those are the two metals that really puts the biggest scare in consumers here in the United States when it comes to any type of dinnerware, any type of housewares products, any type of toy product or or a baby product, it's got to pass California Prop 65, which is the most uh, uh, strict lead and cadmium test anywhere in the world. So all of our product test and has always met those standards, and we're the only company that will uh, keep those records in-house and make them available to consumers, and then we do publish those on our website. So we're constantly testing uh, our products for lead and cadmium and also for heavy metals. And not only do we, we post our test results, but we also put our competitors. And, you know, that information is, is, can be uh, secured by looking at our website. You can see how we, we stack up against some of the metal cookware manufacturers as far as leaching heavy metal. What is pyroceram? Pyroceram is a... Uh, is a trade name. It's a glass ceramic uh, patented material that was invented by Corning in the 60s. It was for the space uh, technology. It was on the. They made it for this the outside surface of these uh, missiles, uh, nose cones, as would the rocket would en- would enter the Earth. Uh, it would actually reflect the heat, and from that they invented. They came up with the idea to to make corningware. And that's exactly how that product came to be. It was a scientific product that they brought into housewares. Our product is a housewares product, and we don't, we're not really going towards the scientific end. I mean, that people have asked us about that, but we're really, we're really most interested in what our product will do for uh, the whole cooking experience. Is it true that there is thermoplastic even in glassware today that you have to well, really I, look? Well, I don't. You know, I don't know if there's. I, I really am not aware of of the uh, thermoplastic uh, in glassware. That that would be something I have not heard of yet. That doesn't mean that's not the case. But I know there is. Gilconing is making bendable glass. So if somebody, if that is ther- thermoplastic in the glass, and that's what's making it bendable, I know that's a product uh, that they're looking at. I think in the next three or four years, you you will actually see. Uh, from uh, from Corning will be uh, bendable glass, which will be absolutely revolutionary. That will be absolutely phenomenal if they can make that happen. What are some of your challenges as a pioneer and leader in your particular field and focus? 
I think it's getting the word out. I, I think we're, we're, it's like David against Goliath here. We, we are such a small, insignificant player when it comes to cookware. Uh, we really are, uh, in the days of Corning, now Corning was a very big powerhouse and they would do hundreds of millions of dollars in, in ceramic cookware, but we don't. We're, we're, we're not, uh, we don't have the financial power of a company like, uh, Corning when they were making their Corel, their Pyrex, and their, uh, Corningware. So we're very, very small. We, we, we're a company that has no debt. We don't uh, overextend ourselves. We rather grow organically ourselves internally and, uh, we just think that'll give us a solid foundation and and it'll it'll uh, make us more uh depend upon each other we and we won't have to make foolish decisions based based on finances or just growing for the sake of growing so we we think our biggest challenge is getting the word out for people to understand the benefits of ceramic and and I think the more companies that embrace ceramic uh, cooking it's just that that same same philosophy you put a McDonald's on one side of the street and you have a Burger King and both businesses thrive there's not a lot of companies out there making ceramic cookware so uh, if if there's high quality competition for us then that'll only make us better so uh, right now our biggest competition is is just you know it just Obstacle is getting uh, people uh, to understand the benefits of ceramic. And the, the, the most difficult part of that is people always say, well, ceramics can break. And I said, absolutely. You know, dinnerware can break. Your Waterford crystal can break. But, you know, I've been cooking with ceramics since 1978, and I, I've only broken one or two pieces of corningware in all those years, and I've never broken a piece of, a, of extrema. That's not to say that it can't be. Uh, that if you drop it, it will break. We understand that. But we believe that when you change the paradigm of cooking where you don't bang your pot and you don't clank it and, and you, you treat that pot like you would, you know, uh, your dinnerware or uh, anything else that you really treasure, you're not going to, you, you're going to be more careful. And once you learn that, then the benefits far exceed the, the durability factor. I mean, it's just not, we'll never be able to make unbreakable ceramic cookware, uh, at least I could say we're not. We don't have that right at our fingertips. Someday we hope that we can, we can venture in that direction. But the 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 mere the the material that you use to make ceramic, it gives you the thermal properties. Really prevents it from being durable. The more durable you get, then you lose the thermal properties. So there's a real. We're trying to the thin line where you get from cooking, enhancing cooking, to just being durable like corningware. We rather be more of a cooking vessel than something that's durable because that's what you get with metal cookware. I have a feeling that the demand for your products are going to overtake your supply. <laughs> that would be, I would say, please have the consumers challenge us on that because we have a factory that it would be really hard-pressed for us uh, to not be able to keep up with the supply. I mean, oh, I, would, I don't think on a manufacturing level that would be a problem. It's how many will you have available, like in the U.S., to sell at one time. Like I noticed that the walk's not available until November because, right, you don't have it in stock. So that kind of a thing, more like having things in stock because right. people yes, want it. If, if that, that is... That is uh, that's because we are growing faster than we thought we would. So we That's are what I making, mean. <laughs> we are making some changes. Uh, for instance, that uh, that wok that you mentioned is is uh, was an item that uh, exceeded uh, our our wildest dreams, and and it is just 
our business, we, we, we seem to be taking off faster than we thought. And it's, you know, being on a show like yours obviously has made a, will make a huge difference. And, and because the people, the people that listen to you or people that want to make a difference, they, they're looking for something different than they're, they're highly educated. They do a lot of reading, investigative work. Uh, they're people, I call them change agents, you know, and that's what, that's the, the, the people that are attracted to our cookware are always looking for new challenges, adventurous. They, they just want to just keep pushing and pushing, and, and that's, that's what we're most excited about. They're not complacent, and uh, that's why we're excited about launching our product here in the United States because I think the most sophisticated customer for ceramics is in the United States. Even though the Asian population, they cook with ceramics, they don't understand... Uh, having traveled extensively in, in China for the last uh, 12 years, they don't understand the benefits of cooking with ceramic. They cook with ceramic because there it's less expensive, the, at least the ceramics they're using, but the sophistication of our material, our product, is, is, is unique to the United States, and it's, it's the country that we want to launch because they're just so knowledgeable and they're so accepting of new products where in the rest of the parts of the world, they're just not, they don't, they don't move as quickly. This is also a very health-conscious country. Yes, it is. That is yep. preoccupied with longevity and well-being mm-hmm. and with anti-aging science and medicine coming in. People are way more knowledgeable and they're going to invest their time and energy and they're going to make sure that they have the healthiest things around them they can. What about Europe? Well, I, you know, Europe has some very, very strict standards when it comes to uh, lead and cadmium. Uh, you know, with silicone materials, with plastics, the uh, but they are, uh, and and from a design standpoint, I know, you know, coming out of uh, Germany and Italy and the UK, uh, from a design standpoint, some of the, the wonderful designs are, uh, are coming out of Europe, uh, and a lot of people will will look. They'll go to various shows in Germany to see exactly, you know, what the new styles and what the new colors are. But the sheer volume uh, of, of product growth uh, pales in comparison. There's nowhere else in the world that they pale in comparison to what the United States is capable of doing, uh, both in, in acceptance of new ideas. Uh, the one country that I will say is probably beyond us is Canada when it comes to uh, green and pollution. They really have some great standards, and they're really pushing the envelope. They just don't have the buying power uh, up in Canada that they do in the United States. But I, we get a, a tremendous amount of, of feedback from people up in Canada, and they're saying, "Yeah, we've been championing this, you know, healthy living and healthy cooking and and uh, toxicity thing for many years. Uh, they just, it's just not a, a real a big buying resource yet uh, up in Canada. And we hope uh, in the future to have a uh, distributor set up in in Canada that we can ship uh, throughout Canada because right now it's it's very expensive with the duty and the tariffs that you would have to pay to ship from the United States our material into Canada. It's the only thing that makes it a, a little difficult to to sell to our uh, Canadian friends. But Europe, I think I think it's United States, Canada, then I think it's Europe and Australia is also a very good. I was going to uh, say Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. New Zealand's known for being extremely yes, health conscious. Yes, they are. And then I would say that they are very interested in our ceramic product and what it can do. And then the rest of the world, Asia being probably lagging behind only because 
they uh, they don't think in terms of the new products. They kind of look for the United States from a design standpoint, and uh, that's why we we designed it here in the U.S. and uh, having it made in China. Now, I notice you have a teaware line and a bakeware line. Let's talk yes. about the teaware line. Why did you do a teaware line? Uh, teaware, the, you know, I'd have to say almost all of the teapots in the United States are uh, either cast iron or some uh, carbon steel, uh, namalon steel. They're water boilers. They put them on top of the stove. And the unfortunate thing is that the cheaper the teapot, the the cheaper the metal, and then that you end up getting more leaching. So when you spend a lot of money, even for a cast iron pot, and in Japan it's very big with this. They do a tremendous amount of of cast iron uh, water boiling, and the problem is that that the the metal is leaching right onto the uh, right into the water, and that and that becomes a problem. And when you deal with with ceramics. Uh, here, even before Extreme came out, a lot of people would boil the water in their cast iron or their uh, aluminum tea kettle, and they would pour it into a porcelain serving teapot. It would be on the table, have like a little uh, cozy around it to keep the the water warm. But that you had to use two vessels. You had to boil the water in something other than what you were serving it in. But with Extremer, because ours is completely non-toxic and has great thermal properties, you can put that on top of the stove, and you never have to worry about leaching any metal because it's ceramic. And we make the only top-of-stove ceramic teapot in the world. Nobody else makes a ceramic teapot, so you could boil the water on top of the stove. You could take it right to the table, and then you could put it back on top of the stove. Well, you could put it back in the refrigerator if you wanted because there's no leaching. Nobody will boil... Uh, you shouldn't boil water in metal and then take it to the table when it's not that attractive. And you're not going to store in metal. You're going to put it into some some either glass or ceramic uh, bowl or uh, bowl or, or serving vessel. You're not going to leave it in the metal. But with with Extrema, you don't have to worry about that. That's the same thing with a cookware. A cookware can go from top of the stove. You can make uh, macaroni and cheese uh, in the under the broiler, in the oven, and then you could take it to the table because it's a ceramic vessel, and then you could put it back in the refrigerator or in the freezer. Same thing with our, our cookware. You have one and a half quarter. You make chili, you put it on top of the stove, put it to the table, and then put it in the refrigerator. You don't have to worry about leaching. You don't have to worry about using another uh, vessel. And so it just cuts down the expense of having to buy, you know, other serving bowls. And it's just more versatility when you use ceramic uh, than it is when you use any other type of, whether it's plastic or or any other type of metal, uh, because it just gives you more versatility. Well, I'll tell you that I think that Europe would love your products, and I think the French would love your products, because they're extremely health conscious. They have very strict laws about chemicals yes. and processed food. Everything there is fresh. Yes. And I interviewed Mireille Giuliano, who wrote French Women Don't Get Fat, twice in the last year. And I just have a sense that they would just love your products. That really. would be uh, that would be wonderful. And we actually do have, uh, in the U.K., we have a customer called Red 23. And they're an Internet company, and we've been doing a pretty fair amount of business with them, and we're kind of excited. Uh, they actually have been selling our product uh, in Europe in we hope to, you know, uh, God willing, build that business with them because we do know that there's a customer 
uh, in Europe that is uh, wants to make this uh, this move to to ceramics, and it's just not a lot of uh, avenues for that. So hopefully, uh, we can you know build that business and have a distributor there in the UK that can can service all the various countries. Uh, you know, from the UK, that would be a blessing. That'd be incredible. Talk a little bit about your journey through some of the politics of being a front runner in this area. Share whatever you feel is pertinent, what you've gone through or what you notice. Because in politics, when you have an innovation, and this is not considered outside of your area a disruptive innovation yet, because until it has a more integral click into the market, but I feel it could be a disruptive innovation. What are some of the challenges you've gone through when you realize there is some politics in it? And I don't want to make this up. If you haven't right. suffered or been through any of that, that's fine. But I'd like to know if you have been through challenges that seem like there's politics in the industry and you're getting pushback from the industry. The biggest obstacle we had to overcome is uh, because we went to several uh, of the shows, the uh, gourmet show, an uh, international gourmet show, and where all the various major retailers in the United States would come, and we had a, a very elaborate booth set up there. And I remember we did that for uh, several years, and, and we were at uh, a world international tea show. And what was interesting is everybody who came, all the different retailers who came to that show, basically said, "You're not going to make it. You're not going to. You're not going to be successful." I just they see no need. No need for ceramics. Why? Why would you? Why would you need ceramics? And and we told them all about the features and benefits and the health. And but you have to realize they're buying for these big chains and these stores, and and they weren't hearing from their customers uh, about this toxicity and green and health. They were basically their customers were telling them, "How come the price is so high? Or how come I can't get this for this price? Or put it on this shelf or this color?" And we were it was pretty dejected for two years going that route and absolutely being told you're not going to be successful. That's very rude for any company or group to tell you that. It's actually rude. <laughs> it is. And, and it's almost, uh, you almost feel, uh, if you believe the press, uh, you, you, you just want to go home and cry and say, you know what, you know, God, you know, why am I doing this? Because uh, I'm not going to make it. And, and, and we're a company where we spend our own money. We didn't borrow any money from anybody to launch this business. So you invest all your money, you give it a go, your website, and then suddenly people are telling you you're wasting your time. It's not going to happen. It'll take you 10 years. The big metal companies are going to squash you. Uh, it's just of no value. So we said, well, yeah, that's, then you know what? We're moving in a different direction. We could not, we, we could, we know we couldn't survive. We just didn't have the financial resource or the time. And I remember when I started with Corning in 1978, when we would launch various uh, product lines, even though Corning had millions of dollars of clout, it took three or four years for some of the, their big product lines to take hold. And and I said, you know, how are, to, to my people, I said, how are we going to be able to make it? We don't have the cash, the uh, to play these kind of games or to leverage our clout. We have no, we have a brand, but I mean, nobody knows. It's, it's a brand that doesn't really exist in anybody's eyes, but our, but our own. So what leverage do we have? So we said, you know, heck, we're not gonna, we're not gonna worry about it. Uh, we're gonna make it and we're gonna, we're gonna do it our way. We think it's the best way. And, and we started, uh, uh, talking to consumers and we changed our whole way of doing business. And we said, you know, we're going to be an Internet marketing sales company. We're going to sell directly to the consumer. 
And it was right when the Internet was really, you know, from 2007 that the Internet sales, I mean, if you look at what was done on Amazon.com and Target.com and Walmart, it, it, was a, it was a period of change. People were concerned about credit cards, the exposure, I don't my, my identity theft, and it's before LifeLock uh, came available where you can secure your Social Security card and numbers. And this is all this thing that the web is just not going to make it. Nobody's going to buy on the Internet. And then the economy started to go. Uh, get a little squirrely on us, which made it more difficult for us. We said, how are you going to launch a new product line? But what happened there in that transition, it's the brick-and-mortar retailer who had this, this power, this, this significance. Going to the mall became an all-day event. Suddenly, the younger generation, the 18- to 35-year-old who became Internet savvy, was able to make decisions very quickly, download software, you know, the iPhones, the iPad, all of this technology, they were so comfortable with that. That's all they knew. They literally changed the way people bought. They didn't worry about identity theft because they didn't really have much of identity or network to worry about, so they really blazed the trail for the, uh, the older generation to say, hey, we're going to make this happen. The Internet is the future. And if there's one thing that changed our, our business, our direction, was how people just embraced buying on the Internet. And reading the uh, copious amounts of information, uh, you know, to talk about page views and how long you stay online. But what we were finding out is that people were hanging on our website. The more information we put, the more page views they would. They would keep saying, well, we want this. And we got very technical questions, so we started digging more in. So we became a very non-technical company, more design function, and we said, you know, hey, there's leaching out there, there's toxicity out there, there's green, uh, all of these things started to move us in that direction. There's this whole area of health where if we were to continue going through mainstream retail, we never would have absolutely, we never looked at this because we were only being concerned about selling volumes of product at a certain price, and the retail would dictate our success, when actuality, it's the consumer who really uses the product, and that's our future. So it really was a blessing to have all that negative uh, people saying he's not going to make it because it slowed us down, and then, lo and behold, the Internet business really started to pick up, and now there's no question that, uh, you know, we are... We're going to be an Internet company, and we're going to sell directly to the consumer, and we're going to just make that experience as pleasurable as it possibly can. And we thrive ourselves on, on uh, you know, satisfying the customer, you know, being very good at customer service. And if we have to be small to do that, then we will, because that's the most important thing. We're not, we're a company that's not motivated by uh, money. We never, I never got started this business to make a lot of money. I, I wanted to do this and make this company something that that could add value uh, and make a difference. I always believe that, you know, God put us here on earth to make a difference, not to just be uh, veggies and, and just hang out there and, and, and veg off the rest of the world. we gotta, we got to do a small part and, and in a small way, and I think we're kind of doing that, and uh, we hope that we can continue to do that. And, and we know there's going to be many obstacles, but... I think uh, it's been a blessing in disguise that you know we were we were sidetracked like that for a couple of years until the uh, internet took off and and uh, I thank the young people out there because they've really just embraced this whole new way of cooking and it's it's really helped us. 
I so much appreciate your time today. I have ordered your 26-piece summer set, your summer special, and look forward to getting a walk when it comes in and your teaware. I'm not much of a baker. <laughs> I'm not either. <laughs> have you had a request for other types of colors, or have you looked at other colors? Yeah, we have, uh, and it's something we are working on even as we speak. Uh, the when you fire when you fire our product at 2,500 degrees Fahrenheit for a period of 25 hours, uh, for 24 hours, I'm sorry. What what happens when we we have this 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 uh, high gloss black color? And it took us about a year or so to get that high gloss finish. Uh, prior to that, it was a matte finish, and it would it would get blotchy during that 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 firing process of, of 24 hours. And then we were able to to fix that to make it this vibrant black. So it it took about two to three years to be able to come up with this uh, high gloss black uh, black color. And we've been we've been testing, and we're very excited about uh, you know coming up with a, a red and a blue and a and a green and and even a white. The the problem is in the firing of this because it's so long uh, that you have uh, various color changes. And you get the blemishes, and we know that the price of our cookware, we would not be able to sell uh, our cookware with any kind of blemish on the color. So until we can get that uh, corrected, it'd be very difficult uh, for us to, to sell an inferior product, not in far as, as its functions, but how it looks, because we we want the uniformity in the color. So that, that's been the biggest obstacle to overcome and we're experimenting with different, you know, and there's always different types of glazes that uh, that we're working with that will allow us to take these extremely high temperatures, and and hopefully in the next couple of years we can uh, we can figure it out because that that would really uh, help a lot of consumers really want bring color into their kitchen. Unfortunately, we're just not able to do that. Very few people would ever know the length of time something takes. Just talking about color what you would have to go through to yeah. even be in the process to bringing through other colors. I do want to ask you about what chemicals are in the glazes. Well, there are no, there are no, there are no chemicals in, uh, in glazing, and, and, and this goes for all ceramics. Uh, when you glaze any uh, ceramic uh, product, whether it's a flower pot, whether it's dinnerware, whether it's uh, a vase or any type of teaware, bakeware, uh, or cookware, uh, the glaze is made of various oxides, and there are metal oxides, and when they're fired, all the impurities are burned off, and it makes this hardened surface, this shiny, hardened surface. The only time you run into a problem with a glaze is if you're using very vibrant colors and fired at low temperatures. You'll see a lot of a lot of earthenware uh, products maybe coming from Mexico or some of it coming from Italy. It's very decorative. And on the, and, and the more vibrant colors you get, the, your reds, your blue, and red being the most difficult, uh, the more vibrant colors that you have in the ceramics that you're using, uh, if they're, you can get those great colors when they're fired at very low temperatures, 900 to 1,100 degrees Fahrenheit, and uh, it that's where you can run into problems where you're not burning off the lead and cadmium because it's not fired at high temperatures for a very long time. Uh, it's just like when you make steel. You know, you burn all the impurities off uh, when you make that steel, and it hardens it. Well, the same thing with ceramics. It's the firing temperatures that give it its durability and also its thermal properties. And 
and with that glaze, it burns the impurities off. Now, with our product, our product is is that that high gloss black color, and our glaze material, uh, because it's fired at twenty five hundred degrees, it's it's it gets so hard, it's so hardened, and any impurities are burned off. So when somebody says there are no chemicals in the glaze, there are, are various oxides and minerals uh, that are used, just like in all ceramics, but it's the firing temp- temperature that hardens that. And when, when you have your cookware tested for lead and cadmium and, and heavy metals, that's what is tested. It's the... It's the uh, the glaze at the outside because the uh, the various testing materials that they use will actually if there's any any impurities it'll actually pull it from the glaze and tell you whether you failed to pass the test or not. So if a company is testing for lead and cadmium and heavy metals and it passes that test, there's nothing in the glaze or the ceramic material that is going to leach. And that's the key is you got to make sure that the ceramics you're using is coming from a reputable company that will test their products under California Prop 65 standards because once it has that protection and you have that proof, then there's no liability. I mean, you've solved for that because it's, 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 uh, you would be liable if you didn't pass those particular standards and you said you were passing them. So it's a matter of integrity and accountability, and that's, that's what we've done is, is we make ourselves accountable to that, and we only ask that other people that are manufacturing ceramics or, or any type of material is to be able to prove that you are passing the United States uh, testing standards so it is safe for consumer usage. Have you ever surpassed the standards? There's no such thing as surpassing. The, the, when you test for lead and cadmium, if you go outside, and depending if you're in uh, Los Angeles, if you're in Salt Lake City or Pittsburgh, and you go outside and, and there's inversion and you have toxicity, well, there's going to be a lot of lead in the air. There's going to be a lot of lead and cadmium. People don't realize that, but it's, it's, it's the amount of lead that's in the air that could be toxic to you. So lead is in the very soil and the cadmium, it's in in the produce, but it's just not at the toxicity, uh, toxicity level. So there's no way that you can go anywhere and not have any lead and cadmium, at least if you're uh, outside or, or inside. I mean, it's just in everything uh, that we consume or that we use. The key is it's got to be below uh, the, the standards that they set in California, uh, Prop 65 and the FDA standards. So we have we have always been below those standards. It's when you get above those standards is where you have a problem, based on the guidelines that California and the FDA uh, set up. Well, there are some companies that when they surpass, they go way over. That's that's a problem as far as the testing goes, but it may not be a problem in the toxicity, depending upon your autoimmune system and how you purge heavy metals from your body. You know, everybody's different, and but we have never, uh, we've always passed every test for lead and cadmium or heavy metal that we've ever had, going back to 2007. That's great. People say, well, how come it says it's, it's not completely lead-free? Because the testing standards never test to a point of being lead-free. That's, you would have to take that up with the California uh, Prop 65 Commission and FDA. We only, they set the guidelines for the testing. We don't when when the laboratory independent lab tests, they don't come back and stamp anything completely 100% lead-free because nothing can be 100% lead-free. 
That's interesting. I would have never yeah, known and, that. And that's why it's very confusing, but that's, it took me a while. I say, well, why can't they? But it's because the testing labs, the, the equipment that they have, they don't need to test at something that is not hazardous. They only tell you if it is. So really, it's a test for levels. Yes, yes, it degrees, and you don't want to you don't want to exceed that because if you exceed that, then you would fail the test, and they will let you know uh, quite specifically that you failed the test, and then you have to be change the manufacturing of your product or material so you pass, and that's where a lot of toy companies or people who make you know baby materials of or bottles with BPA in it, they they want to make sure that their product is safe, that they don't put the proper testing in place then how are they going to know? So if you set those standards in the beginning and monitor all along, you're never going to have a problem to come in the United States that's going to fail because if you test it before it's shipped, you're never going to have a problem. You just wouldn't ship it if it failed. And that's, the, that's what I'm saying. A lot, of, a lot of the Chinese government gets in a, a problem, but it's the United States companies that allow that inferior product to be shipped to the United States. They know. They're not surprised when that product comes here because they set the standards to have that product made. Totally understood. You know, when I asked you if your products surpassed the standards, I meant came in under the standards. In other words, yes. had even less than what would be yes, acceptable. That's what I meant. Yes, it does. Okay, great. Great. Yes. Well, it's a real pleasure and an honor to talk with you. I'm so glad about what you're doing, and I so appreciate what you've created and what you're bringing to us and the blessing of what's available to us. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been talking with, learning from, and listening to Rich Bergstrom. He is the founder of a wonderful company called Ceramcor. You can reach him and the company and order this healthy cookware by going to ceramcor.com, spelled C-E-R-A-M like Mary, C-O-R.com. And I really want to thank you for being with us. We hope to have you back in about a year to see what the new developments are. Thank you so much for being with us. Why, thank you, Kim. And and it's been a blessing uh, chatting with you. And uh, it's been a real honor myself.